Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's a lot of people online nowadays who are saying things and I it's my instinct that they're doing it for views they're doing it for for this they're doing it for that but there's some people who just genuinely have a really big heart and are trying to help not to say that they're not profiting from that because that's okay everybody needs to eat but there's some people who are just genuinely sincere and one of those people actually the person that inspired me the most was the book i read when i was about 20 years old by a guy called tony robbins and he's a big guy like me i'm six foot seven i think he's six foot seven as well like he's a he's a big guy and he he changed my perspective on life and i've, I've really kind of loved him ever since so the way that he speaks how authentic he is how much he's in the moment i guess in some way maybe i've never thought about it but in some way i try to model that his ability to be honest his ability to cut through the crap and if he has to use a swear word every now and again he will uh, but he basically does whatever he take, it takes to get his message across melting pot a global podcast series hosted by pile connects guests who have inspiring stories and reaches out to a multicultural audience over 52 countries guests are diverse such as celebrities entrepreneurs travelers and many more who've had a turning point in their lives and moved over to a holistic lifestyle follow us on youtube spotify apple google podcast social media Hi everyone. Today I am in conversation with Patrick Manifold. Patrick is a motivational speaker. He's an inspiring author. He's an entrepreneur. He used to be a former professional athlete and he also has a podcast which is called Create a Life You Love. I love that. So thank you so much for joining me um, today, Patrick. And of course, it's my, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And it's, I my appreciate it. it's my tonight and it's your morning, I'm, I'm assuming. So yeah, you did mention to me before we started the conversation, but I'd still like to know where, which part of Canada are you in? That's one. And oh. Are you originally from there? And if not, then, you know, what a little bit about your journey and background would be interesting to actually kickstart the conversation. Okay, so in a nutshell, I come from a place called Great Yarmouth in England, and that's kind of like the East Coast, about an hour and a half or so from London. And I moved to America in 2009 to pursue my dream of becoming a basketball player. Um, and then I moved from there all around the world. I played professional basketball in Glasgow, Scotland, Surrey, England, Melbourne, Australia, Magdeburg, Germany, and just outside of Milan, Italy, in a place called Bergamo. And then after playing professionally for about five or six years, we found out that uh, we were going to have our first child. And we came back to Nova Scotia, Canada, which is where my my now wife is from originally she wanted to be close to her family um, i'm now a permanent resident here and i live in a place called uh, amherst nova scotia okay interesting yeah so 
from being a professional athlete, what motivated you to transition uh, to becoming a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, author, you know, all of that? It, it kind of all happened at the same time, really. I was pursuing this rather audacious dream of becoming a professional athlete. And during that process, I had to change and grow and evolve as a person. Uh, and by doing that, I learned all these lessons that later on I felt somewhat obligated to pass on to share with other people so then that turned me into speaking people wanted to hear my opinion on things why things were going well in my life and they wanted to know kind of what I was doing to make that happen and then naturally after starting to speak in I started to write as well pretty much all at the same time so it all happened roughly the same time the entrepreneurship part didn't start until after I retired from basketball but the the speaking and the the writing yeah those are my my two favorite things to do in the whole world what are some of the key lessons that you actually picked up? Because that's what you said motivated you into becoming a, you know, sharing your journey and also writing. So what are some of those key lessons that were a very important factor in this transition? Well, honestly, the the, the honest answer is the least sexiest answer in the world. Um, and it's targeted self-discipline uh, it was my ability to say hey number and, and even potentially before that the foundation i believe of all success is self-belief if you don't genuinely believe that you can do that thing you're not going to master up the courage uh, and the work ethic that it takes to make that happen so first of all you have to have the self-belief that that dream that you have in your mind is possible and that you're worthy of it uh, and then after that it's just a case of saying okay I'm going to do it. Come hell or high water, rainy days, snowy days, sunny days, bad days, good days, every day, I'm going to work towards that goal. Uh, and that is what takes self-discipline, which, like I said, isn't the most uh, fun, beautiful topic yeah. to talk about. But yeah. I promise if, if that's something think, that yeah. you can master, you can do anything. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the most important thing in order for you to actually go out there and and succeed and achieve whatever it is that you've set your mind and the goals that you've set for yourself. No, I completely understand right. that. So can you share some of the strategies that you use when you are at a motivational speaking, I, I won't call it a gig, but you know, when you are talking, yeah. And so what are some of the strategies that you use in order to engage your audience? Number one, I always look at it as how can I provide the most value humanly possible during my time with these people? That's goal number one. So that's before I'm you know, looking into the crowd, asking the audience potentially either in person or whoever's hired me to do it, asking them, you know, who's in the room? What are they looking for? What are the KPIs here? How can we create the most value possible? And then once I'm there, I'm just there 100%. I'm not thinking about my business, not thinking about my kids. I'm not thinking about basketball. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner that night, which is normally on my mind quite often. Um, <laughs> but I'm only thinking about connecting with that people. And I have a, a habit, good or bad, of when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I look them in the eye, like dead in the eye. And it's hard not to listen to someone when they're just kind of like staring into your soul. And I kind <laughs> of use that as a technique where, when I'm speaking to audiences, I'm looking 
around the entire room and when i do glance at you i'm not glancing in your direction i'm glancing into your eyes and me and you are having a moment we're having a connection i think that that allows people to feel comfortable with you it allows people to actually listen and absorb what you're saying so yeah bring value and then do everything i can to connect and then just be i said it earlier today to, to my team just be unapologetically myself like i like who i am i i'm positive and i believe that i'm i'm here to offer value to these people so i'm not shy i'm not nervous i am i'm just there as completely who i am trying to serve and offer as much value as possible so that person can improve their life yeah so communication is also a very very important skill that clearly you have i think confidence communication and the ability to be able to reach out to people depending on the environment and depending on what they are there what kind of messaging they are there to absorb and so you right. have the ability to be able to do that so so because it seems like you're such a um a person who I, I'm not sure if I can call you a people's person. I probably can. So if you are a people's person, because I can see that in your body language as well, while I'm talking to you, I mean, because I can see you. Um, how different is that from writing? Because you're also an author. So I'd like you to, to share a little bit about um, some of the books that you may have written. That's one. And two, how do you... How do you manage or how do you differentiate between the two? Because they're very, very different. I think when you're writing, it's just you and your thoughts and, and how it gets projected. And, and it's, it's very different from when you're actually face to face with people. So how, if you can just highlight a little bit of your thoughts on that. As you said, they're very, very different. When I'm writing, I have to keep in mind that I don't have any feedback. So when I'm speaking, it's easy because I can say something to you and then your face your and your expressions and everything is going to tell me whether that landed or not. Yeah. And if it did, great, we're going to keep going down that. And if it didn't, I have to change the analogy. I have to do something. So I'm kind of like constantly changing what I'm doing, adapting to my audience. When I'm writing, it's 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 kind of like a deep thing, like, I have my ideas, my thoughts, and then the creative version of which that flows out. But then I have to be empathetic to the people that are going to read it are so diverse. And are they going to understand that analogy? Are they going to understand this? So for me, it's a case of I, I like whenever I'm inspired, I write, whether it be on my phone, whether it be on my computer, whether it be a pen and paper, whenever I'm inspired, I write and I just get it out as it is. And then I come back and read it through the eyes of someone that doesn't know me, doesn't care about me, but they're somewhere online, somewhere reading my book, and they're trying to improve their life. I then read it through a lens of their eyes, and I'll edit it slightly to make sure it makes sense. But yeah, very, very different. And I love both. I, I honestly do. I love both my books. I've got four or five books now, another one about to come out, and then the one after that, which I haven't written yet, but I think it's going to fall out of me in a couple of weeks once I sit down to do it. It's my favorite thing, the fact that I get messages on social media from people in countries all over the world where they don't even speak my language. Uh, and they said, I've read your book three times and it changed my life. Now I'm doing this with my career. Now I'm doing this. Uh, and it, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it comes down from 
me as a person, I just want to help people. Like to me, it's it's almost selfish of me because it brings me joy to know that those people, their lives have been even ever so slightly improved by an idea that I had or a thought that I shared with them. So that brings me selfishly brings me a lot of joy. Uh, and I just I love the I love the long tail effect of that of going around the world and meeting people that have read my books or watch my videos or those kind of things follow me on social media and I've just positively impacted them that that brings me a lot of joy so how many languages have your books been translated into just English which is why I think it's so funny because I've got people yeah, in Pakistan yeah. and different yeah yeah because you did mention that people who do not understand the language are still getting back to you saying that you've helped them well yeah i mean people in in countries where, where english isn't their first language oh. is kind of what i meant okay. uh, so places oh. like china and india and pakistan and you know cambodia and places like this which i'm getting messages i don't know anybody in those countries personally uh, yeah but they've somehow they've found my book online on amazon or something like that and they stumbled across it and read it and yeah it's a beautiful thing and that's why i love so many people say that how bad social media is but I think it has some wonderful qualities too. I think that it we has the ability to for us to connect uh, and do things. And like after the show, I'm going to be keeping like a super close eye on you and your social media stuff. And I think it's a lovely way to be able to follow along people's lives. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it, clearly socials do have their negatives, but then it depends on how you want to take it and how exactly. you project yourself is also extremely important so no uh, and 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 you know if there is um sincerity in what you're trying to communicate and say i think that's that makes all the difference so i wanted to ask you because you're a writer you have speaking engagements you have a podcast how do you manage to get like a good balance between all of these different commitments that you have? Because there's only that, 24 that, hours in a day, right? <laughs> so, right. yeah. Well, I, I have a, I think I have quite a unique um, perspective on balance and it's been kind of percolating in the back of my mind the last couple of months because I'm extremely busy. I'll give you just a, a brief like nutshell of what my life looks like. I own two companies that consist of five businesses, which I'm the CEO and president of all of them. I So most of my days are taken up by the business. I also have three children, all of them under five. And I just got married a few months ago or a few weeks ago. And I got had a, another child a few months ago. So my life is full, absolutely full to the brim. Every minute is kind of accounted for. So people say, how do you do so much? How do you how do you have balance? And it's my belief that balance isn't, we always think about balance as like a seesaw where one's person is on one side and the other's on the, the other. And if one's too heavy, the other one's out of sync. And we want to try and be on this like kind of equilibrium. We assume that's what balance is. I don't believe that's what balance is. I believe that balance is doing things that you love consistently within your life. And then when you do them, you are all there. So right now, I am my only concern right now is how can I bring value to you and your audience? How can I connect with you as a person? In this moment, I am 100% all in. When we leave here, I'm going to have a meeting with my team about what we're going to do for the rest of the day for this project we're working on. When I'm with them, I'm going to be all in. When I go home at lunchtime, 
I have a schedule where I make sure that I spend time with my daughter, Sophia, and then some time with my daughter, Sienna. I am all in. There's nothing else happening in the world apart from those things. So for me, balance isn't equilibrium. How can I spend 20% of my time here and 20% there and 15% there? I don't believe that's what balance is. Balance is how can I fill my life doing as many amazing things that bring me joy, that contribute to my society, contribute to my community? And how can I be 100% present in those moments? To me, at least right now, I believe that is what balance is to me. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's basically what you're saying is that you have to be present in the moment, because then if you're not, and you're already thinking about the five other things that you will be doing once you're once now is is over then you haven't really given now the best and and your your deepest so yeah no totally i understand that no that's and i think that there's a there's a planning element of that uh, yeah. that you can't just haphazardly be just walking around your life landing in moments yeah you do have to take some time no, at the beginning and the end of the week yeah. to plan yeah. that uh, yeah. but as long as you know what's important to you so yeah. I think that you can create yeah, balance. So you, you prioritize essentially. And Correct. You, Correct. Yeah. yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So could you talk a little bit about your podcast? I have heard some episodes, but I'd like to hear from you what, again, motivated you into starting the podcast and what really is the basis of it and what is the messaging that you would like to send out through your podcast because it's got a very interesting title it it does and that title is something that i'm absolutely obsessed with right now create a life you love i believe it's my sincere belief that if you're not actively doing that if you're not waking up every day and trying to get closer to creating a life that you genuinely love I don't know what you're doing. Like I, I physically do not know what you are doing as a human being. If you're not actively trying to create a life that you love, like wh where are you spending your time? What, what are you doing? Watching Netflix? You watching Kim Kardashian shows? Like what are you, what are you filling up your time with where you don't even, most people have no idea what they want. And that just astounds me. It blows my mind. How can you not know what you want? Everybody knows what they don't want, but not many people know what they actually want. They've not written it down. They've not given it some thought. They've not consulted people around them. So the idea for the podcast was I was already writing and writing. Every time I got inspired by something, it could be someone I met. I used to travel a lot. It could be something I saw. I would write it down. And then the podcast came from me just reading those thoughts that I wrote down. And then later it turned into like a more of a video podcast just because technology changed and things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like that. But basically it comes from my obsession with creating a life that I love for me, for my family, for my friends, for my community, for the world. I'm doing that all day, every day, trying to be better, trying to grow, trying to evolve, uh, trying to add as much value to the world as possible. And I, not that I want to uh, sit here and say everybody should do what I think. That's not necessarily what I mean. What I mean is that everybody should be selfish enough to put time into themselves so that they can be better for the people around them. And if everybody did that, we would all be happier. We would all have a better life. So the podcast basically is uh, episodes of my thoughts, uh, episodes of it, things that I've viewed and things that kind of have changed my perspective on life and then sharing that with other people in a way that some people like to listen some people like to drive some people like to check me out on social media and I like to be places where no matter how you receive information I'd like to be everywhere to give you the best opportunity to to learn and to grow how many seasons have you actually published I think we are about we've got about 26 episodes in right now okay. and there's probably another 100 that are already written down that just has yeah. to be recorded. Yeah. As we talked about balance like time is my time is my biggest challenge. <laughs> not enough hours in the day. <laughs> so are there any speakers, motivational speakers that have inspired you? Is there any mm-hmm. are there any names or you know that you can think of um there's quite a few honestly there's people that i see anybody authentic there's a lot of people online nowadays who are saying things and i it's my instinct that they're doing it for views they're doing it for for this they're doing it for that but there's some people who just genuinely have a really big heart and are trying to help not to say that they're not profiting from that because that's okay everybody needs to eat but there's some people are just genuinely sincere and one of those people actually the person that inspired me the most was the book i read when i was about 20 years old by a guy called tony robbins and he's a big guy like me i'm six foot seven i think he's six foot seven as well like he's a he's a big guy and he he changed my perspective on life and i've, I've really I've kind of loved him ever since so the way that he speaks how authentic he is how much he's in the moment i guess in some way, maybe I've never thought about it, but in some way I try to model that, his ability to be honest, his ability to cut through the crap. And if he has to use a swear word every now and again, he will. Uh, but he basically does whatever he take, it takes to get his message across. Uh, and he's doing it from a place of love in his heart where he's just trying to help. So he's someone that definitely inspires me. Not saying that I want to be the next Tony Robbins because that's that's not true. But if there was anyone that I'm looking up to in that world, it would it would definitely be him. Okay, interesting. Tony Robbins. Yeah, I got that. I, I think uh, I may have read him, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, moving on. How do you, is there a way in which you measure the impact of your work as a motivational speaker? Or you don't feel the need to do it? The The honest answer is I don't feel the need to do it which i guess i've never asked myself that question before so thank you for asking me such a wonderful question that makes me introspective <laughs> my feeling about speaking is do you know what my favorite thing about speaking is 
I walk in a room and it's full of people who are, not everybody there wants to be there. Sometimes they're at a conference and they're like, I'm at a work thing and blah, 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 blah. We've got another speaker coming in. And I kind of love walking into that lion's den and people being like, I don't care. I don't want to listen to this guy. And then about 10, 15 minutes in and I look around the audience and I've just got this. And it's just a bunch of people giving me full attention. Their phone is down, which for them may be strange. Their eyeballs are big and they're listening and they're absorbing. So for me, A, that's job number one to get the whole audience to that level. And sometimes if there's people on their phone, I'll walk through the crowd, sometimes at conferences, and just come and stand right next to them. Because it's super hard to be <laughs> texting your, your friend on your phone while the speaker is standing directly next to you, force you to put it away. So I do things like that to kind of engage everybody and feel like everyone's part of it. But yeah, I, as long as when I leave that, I've never given a speech where I haven't got a, a big round of applause afterwards and people have come up to me after I leave and I'm signing books and they're like, oh my goodness, that story you told about your dad, it really moved me, thank you so much. I've, I've already read your book, blah, 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 blah. blah. But I... I judge it on that. And if in that moment it was successful, I know it was, I know it was as successful as it could have been. I don't need someone to write a report and say what happened next. Not everybody that is inspired moves from that inspiration, but I, I do believe a select few of a hundred, there might be five to 10 people that actually do something with it. that are inspired enough by it. And that's all I can do. I'm my, I, my whole vision when I speak, I am. I believe that I'm here to change one person's life today. So it might be a crowd of 50, it might be a crowd of 500, but somebody in here needs me. Somebody in here needs to hear what I'm about to say, and it's going to save their life or change their life. So that's every single time I'm speaking, I'm trying to connect to that one person. I don't know who they are, so I'm imagining it's everybody, but there's one person in that room that needs that. And I, I always walk away feeling like sometimes I'll, I'll be speaking and I'll see people crying. And I'll know that I've moved them enough that they're feeling what I wanted them to feel. So I, that's where I judge my success. Okay. Is there one childhood memory that stands out for you? In general? In general, yes. Yeah. Something that no. you would, uh, a story or an experience that you would share with your daughters when they are at a certain age where you know where because you've just mentioned that they are under five but so when they get a little older just that one something that will always stay with you and you feel like when you share it with your kids they you know that there will be they'll be not inspired is not the right word, but they will react to it. Or it's something that you would like them to know and be aware of. The honest answer is I don't have a positive memory of me of a child that I look fondly back on. I mean, I'm sure I have memories of like family vacations and moments here and there, but nothing that really stands out. The only things that really stand out from my childhood are the horrible things I went through, which I actually think guided me and caused me to become this person who I am today. So I'm not even necessarily mad at them, but no, I, I, I don't. And I believe that I'm 
the most positive person I know. I just, not to say that I had a completely miserable childhood, but I definitely, I definitely wasn't happy. I was, I was going through a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening in my home life between my parents and stuff happening at home that wasn't good. So yeah, I don't look back at my childhood fondly, which actually sounds sad now that I say it out loud. I'm sorry. I'm being honest with you. Yeah, no, but and, I'm also sorry yeah. to, uh, you know, to kind of brought it up. Uh, no, not at all. I, I have <laughs> absolutely, I, I'm not like that. I'm not like super sensitive where I'm now going to go through a dark hole and think about all these bad <laughs> things. I, I have basically, I do therapy on myself. So I read books about how things, uh, how to improve your mind and things like that. And then I will look at some of the elements of my life, which potentially are not the healthiest decisions I'm making over here mentally or physically. And then I'll be like, why do you, why do you make that decision, Patrick? Like, why do you feel like you need to get value from that thing? And then I will do the work and say, oh, okay. So that thing that happened to you as a kid caused you to believe this, this is the way that your dad was with you. Did he love you enough? Did he not? Did he, you know, did he hurt you? Did he not? All those kind of things. I can trace back all of my adult behavior back to the things I went through as a child. I'm then empathetic as to why. I have these emotions that I have that I carry around with me. Uh, and I don't I don't really harbor much resentment or guilt or anything like that. I've, I guess I've done the work. I think most people have similar experiences with me, like no one had a perfect childhood. And what I'm fascinated about is the, the juxtaposition of the worst thing that ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So yes, it may be on a different scale to somebody else, but that's the worst thing that ever happened to you. So that's the only context you have. So I find that kind of fascinating that everybody we meet has had something happen to them, that that's the worst experience of their life. Uh, and they're navigating the world through that lens, through those scars, trying to get past those things. So I think it's important to do the work, take, to take the time to figure out who you are, where you've been, why you are the way you are, because then you can have good relationships. Like I have this discussion with my wife all the time everybody has a different love language everyone feels love one way and potentially gives love the same but that might not be how your partner receives love so i think it's really important to know what makes me happy as a person and how can i then help the people around me to know those things most people get in trouble and get divorces and you know break up relationships because they're not emotionally mature enough to know what they even want and then when feelings arise that they're not ready to deal with they just cut and run instead of actually doing the work and saying why am i feeling that way do i like how i feel right now because if i don't i should probably figure that out because guess what it's going to happen again and again and again you're going to create the same toxic environment again and again and again and i'd rather just be super vulnerable which most people are scared of because that allows them to get hurt but i am basically a very large woman in the fact that i had four sisters growing up and i learned the lot i learned the whole world through the eyes of a woman so I'm empathetic to that. And now I feel like I am, I'm very emotionally mature, not in every aspect. I still have a couple of things which are residual from my childhood. Uh, but for the most part, I feel like I'm emotionally mature enough to be vulnerable in the moment with anybody and risk them thinking that I'm soft or I'm this or that, or I'm willing to cry. Like I'm willing to do all these things to have a full experience of life. Yeah, well, that was a long explanation for us for a very no but i i completely understand i think it's so important right. to work with yourself and to have the ability to acknowledge 
what the emotion is or acknowledge what you may have gone through and try and work through it so that you evolve as a human being and you're able to you're able to then have a proper communication with your partner in case that's what it's it's about or or even you know anybody whom you are close right. to you have to be able to work through it and i think exactly yeah, that's, that's that's very very important thank you patrick i've really enjoyed listening to you and chatting with you and and have you've inspired me as well so thank you for that and if you could just mention a couple of titles of your books so in case the listeners and the viewers haven't heard of them and they'd like to pick them up and and i i would like to also get, get hold of a couple of copies of your your book so if you could just mention a couple of names that would be great that's wonderful and before i say that i'd just like to say thank you to you i've really enjoyed our conversation even though we are quote-unquote worlds apart as far as distance I feel like you're a good person I feel like your heart's in the right place and I believe that you continue to do this and meet people and ask questions that can bring value to your audience I think it's a wonderful thing uh, so thank you for the opportunity to have our talk today thank you so and much. yes thank you my books I have actually have a few in front of me right now so I'll just hold them up so you can see them this one's called new year better you this is probably my favorite book if anyone if they're only going to get one this would be the one I would get them to read that basically is kind of like a, a roadmap about how to be successful in life and how to be happy. Happy Today is another one. And this one is basically like, if you're going through a lot of issues right now and you just, you can't find happiness, it's like eluding you. Here's some real simple ways where you can just do these things and just feel the emotion of happiness right away, which I think is lovely. Uh, and then Change Your Life, which like I said, was my first book, Change Your Life, Learn the Secrets of Self-Discipline. This was basically everything I learned to take my life from being a super miserable, unhappy, unsuccessful person to, even though I don't believe I'm the most successful person in the world, I'm way happier and I've achieved a lot more since I started using those skills. Uh, and then Action This Day, which is kind of like a productivity journal. It's not actually a book. Uh, it's just a case of like to-do lists and quotes and things to keep you kind of on track. So those are things and they're all available on Amazon all around the world. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about them. And then my next book, which is actually called Hope and Happiness, which this is actually like a world exclusive. No one else. I've never told anyone this before. It's only recently that our team, we just changed the title. We just created the cover uh, and that's going to be coming out in the next kind of two or three months before kind of Black Friday, before Christmas time. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. It's uh, actually, interestingly, the Create a Life You Love podcast, a lot of the stories within this book are taken from the things I wrote for the podcast. So it's a kind of like a, a full circle moment, which I'm really excited about. So again, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. And I, I think you're going to bed now. It's late for you, right? Yes, it is. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, well, not that late. It's half past nine. So I've still got a few minutes, but yeah. Yeah, no, but so you're on the way to bed and I'm just starting my day. I'm going to grab a coffee and get back to work. I know. And it's it's the same with most of my guests because I have a lot of guests who reach out to me from your part of the world. And right. it's, you know, or from Australia or I mean, just just everywhere. Right. So when I am. That sounds like a lot of fun. You get to meet a lot of diverse people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I have two shows. So now boarding the one that I'm interviewing you for 
and the other one's called Melting Pot. And the more I think about it, the more I, I feel like I'd probably publish your episode for Melting Pot and not for Now Boarding because okay. yeah because melting pot is very different it's you know i talk to again diverse people who could be entrepreneurs or authors or perform in in performing arts i mean it's it's very very varied whereas now boarding is extremely focused i talk to a lot of my guests are in ecotourism or sustainability that's the current mood i think of the planet and in general so so that's really the focus i talk to wildlife photographers people who are in conservation so as i was having this conversation with you i'm thinking no i think patrick needs to be on melting pot and not on now boarding so so that's okay. where I'm going to I'm going to publish your episode and of course I'll get my team to reach out to your team and you know when everything is set and and I'm really really looking forward to having this episode published I really and and again you know it feels like I'm not talking to you for the first time and I think or or, or you're you're a stranger and I try and bring that out with most of my guests. You know, I try and sort of be, which is why I don't like this whole Q&A way of doing it. I prefer for it to be a very informal conversation because you never know where it leads up to. Right. And, and I, th I think you did a wonderful job. I think it's, it's nice to just sit and answer questions like that you're potentially genuinely curious about in the moment. That feels a lot better than, oh, hey, I had this written down and this I'm going to stick to this. I think it's just more conversational. It's uh, It felt nice. And again, same with you. I didn't feel like this is the first time we're meeting. We're, from, we're worlds apart, but we're yeah. humans both on track to try and improve the world. And I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have a fabulous day and we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you. My Pat. pleasure. Take care. You Lovely too. to meet you. For more weekly conversations, do listen to Melting Pot on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. Follow us on YouTube and on Instagram at Podcast Melting Pot. So until the next episode, this is Pyle signing off. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.